the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Al Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on this uh, beautiful Saturday, June fifteenth. Uh, it is a uh, it is a gorgeous, although very very hot day here in South Texas. Uh, got lots of news for you, my friends. Got a great program to you for you. Uh, I've got two uh, very very informative uh, guests. First of all, we're going to have Mr. Todd Benzman. Uh, who is with the Center for uh, Immigration Studies. And uh, Todd is going to be chatting with us uh, in a little bit regarding uh, how fake families, faux, faux families, as he calls them, he did a quick study. He did a study, some research, and uh, the things that he found out um, will surprise you, but at the same time they won't. Because um, at this point, nothing is really surprising us what's, about what's going on with the border crisis. Uh, it, it, it is... It's gone from bad to worse, my friends. It's gone from bad to worse. Uh, we also have um, a very, very special guest today, Mr., uh, the mayor of Uvalde, Texas. Uvalde, Texas is a small little community uh, here in uh, South Texas between San Antonio and uh, Del Rio Eagle Pass, the border, uh, about uh, 55 miles from the border. Well, uh, Mayor McLaughlin has been going through some real uh, problems in his community regarding uh, illegal aliens, uh, the dumping of them, the uh, presence of them, uh, them traveling through. Uh, he's got uh, he's got his hands full, and he has um, uh, complained and petitioned to the federal government uh, to do something about it. And not, whether or not he gets some su- some support remains to be seen. However, what's very very interesting in all of this, my friends is the, the the problems that he is facing in his community are the same problems that, that all of us are going to be facing in our communities sooner or later. Those problems with these illegal aliens, with these, uh, car- these people that are crossing with caravans, with kids, as well as the ones that are not being detected because the Border Patrol is so busy uh, playing nanny, uh, it, the, all of these problems, my friends, are going to land in our laps in a community near you sooner or later. It's going to happen, my friends. So uh, I, I would encourage you to sit down and listen to what he's got to say, because his headaches are coming to your neighborhood pretty soon. Uh, all right. So let's go. Let's go ahead and start off with some um, with some uh, news this uh, uh, today uh, that's been happening over the past week. First of all. Uh, about 250 uh, Congolese uh, arrived here in San Antonio last week. Um, and, uh, you know, some of them have left already to other destinations. However, some of them are still here. Now, uh, in light of the fear that many people have, the health fear that many people have regarding uh, Ebola and heaven knows what else, uh, the uh, local uh, assistant city manager, the uh, the interim city manager, uh, Colleen, Dr. Colleen Bridger, she held a press conference and assured everybody that uh, these folks are not carrying the Ebola virus. She uh, sarcastically made the comment that there's a higher risk of someone from New York bringing measles to San Antonio than these folks bringing Ebola uh, or something else uh, into our community. I, I you know, uh, no need for that, Doctor Bridger. No, no need for that. Uh, however, we know we know the fact that uh, these uh, these folks are not being cleared properly. They're not being screened properly at the border. I mean, the, it, the border is overwhelmed. 
People are getting sick. And of course, their illnesses are uh, being blamed on uh, the Border Patrol. They're being blamed on America. They're being blamed on Trump. And uh, we know that these folks are arriving sick, if not carrying diseases. I mean, how do we know what these folks are carrying? Not what they're sick of right now, but what they are carrying. We don't know. We don't know. So, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the liberals here in San Antonio and other places are coming, are, are going out of their way to, uh, to tell everybody that everything is fine. There's nothing to worry about. Well, I reserve judgment, my friends. I reserve. Uh, another very, very interesting thing that came out this week was a Pew Research study that shows what many of us have suspected for a long, long time. That because of the recent trends in illegal immigration, particularly over the past few months, that less than half, they estimate that, the le- that less than half of all of the illegal aliens living in the United States are actually from Mexico now. Yes, F- fewer than, 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 than 50% are now from Mexico. The change, of course, is caused by all of these uh, caravans and uh, the open border that's going on right now. The, pre, pre, uh, the Pew Research Center and uh, the news media, of course, are excusing these new illegal aliens that are coming in because they're fleeing violence and poverty in Central America, not to mention all over the rest of the world. However, my friends, we need to understand that, that this demographic change in illegal aliens, it's going to affect American cities. It's going to affect American cities. We will talk about that a little bit further uh, later on in the program. But the fact is that many of these new illegal aliens, including the ones from Central America, including the ones from Central America, do not have a social system that they can fall back on and and uh, and, and be received, be integrated, be uh, assisted uh, here in San- here here in uh, the United States. You know, Mexicans have always had Mexicans. To fall back on, to to assimilate with, to acculturate with, to work with, to 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 live with, I mean that's been a fact, because it was Mexico, because there were a lot of Mexican families. Mexicans went back and forth, and the culture and the language and the feeling, the people, uh, were, was was you know very very familiar. That is not the case if you're coming from the Congo. That is not the case if you're coming from Bangladesh. That is not the case if you are coming from the interior of China. It is not the case, my friends. You are coming into a country that is foreign to you with people who are, even the minority groups are foreign to you. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine regarding these Congolese folks. I mean, they are, they, they are not, they're going to confront American blacks and look at, at each other. They're going to look at each other, not like they are brothers, as many would like to say. They're going to look at each other like one of like like they came from different sides of the moon, because that's the reality, my friends. That is the reality. While some people might might assume, for example, for example, some people might assume that Latinos are all the same. You know, which in my opinion is nothing more than liberal racism. There are cultural, linguistic, and even racial differences among Latinos. Be they from Cuba, Puerto Rico, Mexico. Central America, wherever, there are cultural, linguistic, and racial differences. Yes, there are. And those differences will begin to show up as these groups, as these uh, communities begin to coalesce around each other, and, uh, and, and they're going to be more pronounced. I guarantee they're going to be more pronounced. Speaking of these caravans, my friends, very, very interesting. Mexico uh, has started taking some... some uh, uh, some a few steps in trying to stop the uh, the caravans uh, at their at their border down there in the south, southern part, uh, but in a, in but in a shocking but somewhat uh, expected revelation, Mexican tax ofes- officials they froze the assets of 26 individuals and organizations they say have ties to the human smuggling organizations that are promoting the uh, the Central American migrant caravans, and you know what they found. They found that funding for these caravans, it's coming from the United States and from England. Yep, some of the funding is coming from the United States and some from England. Can you imagine? The question, of course, should be raised, why are these Americans, why can't we, why can't we prosecute these Americans who are undermining our country, my friends? 
who are financing an, an invasion of foreigners, who are assisting in human trafficking. Imagine that. Imagine that. We should be very, very active in trying to find out, in, in trying to find out who these people are and do something about it. Speaking of that, uh, in another very, very interesting item that came up, uh, there's a Chinese immigrant history professor in, in Georgia at uh, Gwinnett College in Georgia. And uh, he's been jumped on all over the place. His name is Fang Shu. He's been jumped on all over the place because he's taken a very, very, he is a leg, legal immigrant. And he's taken a very, very strong position on, uh, on illegals, against illegal immigration. And, uh, of course, uh, the university is, uh, is trying to censor him. It's jumping all over him. They're trying to get him to shut up. Don't say anything. I, you know, free speech on the college and uh, illegal immigration, apparently, you know, you've got, it's going to mix. It's got to mix properly from the liberal side. One last thing, my friends, one last item here before we uh, go to our first uh, to our first interview with uh, Todd Benzman. Um, the Pew report, another Pew poll, they took a poll of 6000 uh, adults and the poll showed that uh, Americans are more concerned about fake news <laughs> than they are about anything else, including terror and illegal immigration. They are more worried about fake news, which is a reason, my friends, which is the reason why yours truly has his show and does his blogging and Facebook po- pasting, be- postings. Because, my friends, fake news is real, and fake news it, it will enslave us. Fake news is undermining America and dividing Americans. That's what they found. They found that 60%, 68% of the respondents to this said that fake news impacts on their confidence of the government. And another 54% said that it impacts on their confidence with each other. That shows, my friends, that fake news, it, 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 it hurts America. It undermines America and it divides us. Fake news should not be opinions. It should not. The news should not be opinionated. It should be reported, period, very objectively and factually. Instead, it is reported in an opinionated manner. And when that happens, my friends, we're in trouble because then people that don't know any better, they assume that the opinion is the news and therefore truthful. That's the problem that we've got. And that problem not only happens at the national level, my friends, it happens at the local level. We'll have uh, a, a, uh, an interview with a gentleman in a local community here in South Texas that uh, is experiencing problems with fake news. So we're going to go ahead and take our break. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP AM Radio 930, Answer, the flagship. And I hope that you will uh, share this program with other folks. So hang on. We'll be right back. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his Internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Let's uh, now turn our t- our attention to uh, one of our uh, very good friends who's uh, on uh, now per- pretty regularly. I've got I'm picking his brain a lot, Mr. Todd Benzman, who is with the uh, Center for Immigration. Uh, studies here in uh, in Texas, and um, I wanted to reach out because he, he has written a very very interesting uh, article or uh, articles that he writes 
uh, and he's written some something very, very interesting about uh, doing an analysis of the Mexican troop deployment to Guatemala's border. And uh, so welcome to the show uh, again, once again, Todd. Uh, tell us about this, uh, you know, about your, your skeptical, your, your, your view, your skeptical view about uh, the Mexican uh, troop deployment. Uh, tell us about what you've written. What do you think? Okay, yeah. So, you know, when I first heard about this, it reminded me of a couple of uh, reporting trips that I've taken to the country, Guatemala, to report about uh, smuggling, human smuggling through that uh, country. So I um, know a little bit about the border. I've been to that border. I've been up and down that border uh, where the Mexican uh, uh, troops have been. There's a new unit that they just put together, and they're going to be deploying that unit for the first time to sew up the, the Guatemala-Mexico border against all of these Northern Triangle migrants. So um, my first thought about it was that they're going to have a difficult time. There's, they're deploying about 6,000 altogether. We don't really know what percentage of those are going to be actually on the border. Uh, most of the border right now is unpatrolled, so it's just sort of a uh, throughway for uh, weapons, drugs, and human trafficking. And over the decades, Guatemala, because of its geographic positioning, has become really what I call a super highway of human smuggling from Latin America uh, right through to the to the U.S. border. It's a bottleneck country, so everybody has to go through there, and that's built up this massive smuggling industry. Uh, it's been described to me as the number one uh, cash crop, I guess, for Guatemala is human smuggling. So um, when the Mexican troops deploy there. Uh, this professional cadre or army of smugglers are going to know exactly how to uh, circumvent the troops, and so a lot of the a lot of the um, you know challenge is going to be uh, whether the Mexican army is prepared to cope with that. And having been to the border and have seen the smuggling and interviewed all sorts of people involved in trying to uh, interdict the smuggling, I just come away very skeptical because. There are ocean routes over the Pacific where you have ponga boats, a fleet, a fleet of ponga boats that are moving people uh, not just around the land border, but um, uh, you know on the on the ponga boats, but also in uh, commercial shipping. So they're going to need the navy. I haven't heard anybody talk about naval uh, assets. And then through the Tetan uh, jungle of the far northern part of the country massive uh, smuggling haven up there, very uh, wildernessy, uh, you know, lots of jungle, but quite um, easy for uh, human beings to be moved through there, too. Lots of smugglers for many, many years have been moving through there. So I just don't see how 6,000 Mexican troops are going to stop a determined army of smugglers on the Guatemalan side who are very professional and very able and determined and financially incentivized to get past them. Now, now to to uh, make sure that folks understand what we're talking about, we uh, we have been applauding the past few days uh, the reaction by Mexico taking some action after President Trump uh, threatened some tariffs uh, against Mexican goods because we have. Uh, because Mexico has become such a big highway for all of these uh, these caravans. And, of course, the caravans are entering at the Mexico-Guatemala uh, border. And so uh, now with lots of fanfare apparently in Mexico, Mexico is uh, because, the, because uh, the president uh, over the weekend made the announcement. And, uh, you know, with lots of fanfare, the troops have been deployed, the Mexican troops have been deployed to the to the uh, uh, Guatemala border. Now, uh, you know, we've got to ask ourselves: Is it uh, is it uh, theater or is it uh, or is it real? And you obviously are, uh, are are quite skeptical about it. And you know, I, I must admit that given the political given the political uh, culture uh, of the mordida that uh, I am very very well familiar of in in Mexico. Uh, I have a certain amount of skepticism myself. 
Well, let me, I mean, I don't want to um, completely, uh, you know, disabuse people of the, uh, about the prospect that, that it, it might be effective to an extent. Because here's, here's how it, it could actually be very effective. Uh, we don't have all of the details, but the vast majority of Central American family units have crossed over that border at one or two points. Uh, Tecunamon, which is on the very uh, northwest corner of Guatemala, the very you know, southwest corner of Mexico, uh, over the Rio Suciati River. Uh, that's because it's the easiest place to cross. There's, you know, roads and infrastructure and towns and uh, food and, you know, it's it's not a wilderness by any stretch and you could just cross right over there. And I think that the Mexican military, probably the very first place that they'll deploy will be right there. Um, so uh, then the question becomes, what are they going to, what, what's the Mexican military going to do exactly? Are they going to detain them? and put them in camps for indefinite detention? Or are they going to do pushbacks and say, yeah, you're just going to go back, you're, or you're just simply not going to cross and use tear gas when they charge? Uh, it's unclear what's going to happen. But let's just assume for a minute that, uh, you know, they, the Mexicans decide to, you know, put them in camps in Chiapas. Um, so that's going to have a deterring effect. I mean, you know, families with young children... Uh, typically are, are not going to want to stay in detention. Uh, they'd probably rather go home and wait for the deployment to end or, you know. <laughs> um, they're also probably not going to want to divert to tougher, longer jungle routes, which there are plenty of, because, again, you know, they're small children. Uh, a lot of them are just with children and women, and it's, it's more dangerous and longer and uh, more expensive. So I think that there could be some deterring... Uh, impact depending on what the Mexicans do with the migrants when they catch them. Um, if they detain them for a long period and put them in camps. Uh, if they just push them back, then there'll be an incentive for them to go around on the ocean or you know, through the jungle. And maybe there'll just be few of them who want to do that, who might who'd want to spend the money to do that. So I don't think it's a complete waste. I think it's a good start. Uh, maybe they can build on it and adapt with the smugglers. Smugglers are very adaptive. They'll, you know, they see a roadblock in front of them, they'll move to the right or left and find some other way to get. Um, the Mexican military, it'll be incumbent on them to adapt with the smugglers. And kind of a cat and mouse kind of deal. But that raises a whole other issue, um, which is that in order for the Mexican deployment to succeed, they're going to need Guatemala's intelligence. Uh, they're, they're going to need the Guatemalans to tell them where the smugglers and the migrants are moving in the jungle. And I'm pretty skeptical uh, that the Guatemalans are going to be very helpful, authentically helpful with that. Maybe they will be. I hope they, I hope they are. Uh, they, the Mexicans need to know where the migrants are moving in the jungle. Uh, and that needs to be shared with the Mexicans so that they can move forces there and capture them. Uh, here in the last uh, couple of minutes, uh, how bad is the smuggling industry, the human smuggling industry in, in Guatemala particular, particularly? It's been described to me as the number industry in the country. It is the top industry. I've, I've been told over the years... Uh, you know, lots of uh, pro former prosecutors and law enforcement and American ICE agents who have worked there. Uh, everybody is involved in the business, all the way to the senior leadership of government in Guatemala is what I've been told. Uh, there's a lot of corruption investigations. There's drug smuggling as well, and, you know, pretty much everybody's involved in it. And on top of that, you know, the mo much of the population, you know, the the, the you know, villagers who live on both sides of Guatemala and Chiapas and Mexicans are going to have a tough time with the indigenous populations on both sides of the border who are incentivized to keep it going. These, uh, these folks are desperate. Where are they getting the money to pay smugglers, et cetera, et cetera? Or how, how, are, how is that working out? Well, uh, there's, there's, uh, there are a couple of theories about that. One is that the cartels smuggling organizations are fronting it to them and they're going to have to pay it on the back end when they get to the United States. 
we know where your grandma lives. We know where, you know, your son goes to school and that sort of thing. So, you know, you better pay us. Uh, and then the other thing is just that, uh, you know, people will take their life savings, everything they have. I mean, it costs like maybe minimum of $5,000 um, for a family. You know, it might be seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars $10,000, which is a fortune if you're living in a little village and, you know, northern honduras so amazing let's uh tell the folks uh, once again uh, how they can read uh, your articles and how they can uh, follow up on these uh on this conversation and this uh this article yeah sure um there's a couple ways one is you can always go to the center for immigration studies cia.org and look me up on my blog todd Benzman. Uh, all of my writings for CIS are there, and also my website, which is uh, toddbensman.com, is a repository for all of my writings. So you can see, you can see pretty much everything there. And I appreciate you letting me tell you, tell everybody where to find it. Great, thank you very, very much for uh, the insight. And let's get you back on uh, sometime soon again, so that uh, we can continue finding out our, you know, learning more about this border crisis that apparently um, is just so complicated, but it's impacting us uh, so much. Thanks for coming on, Todd. Thanks for having me. Howdy, 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 folks. One more time. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we have um, uh, the mayor of Uvalde, uh, Don McLaughlin, I think it is, isn't it? Yes, sir. Okay. And um, we've reached out to uh, the mayor because the city of, uh, of Uvalde uh, has been uh, one of the communities in South Texas that suddenly found itself in the middle of this whole immigration border security crisis that... Uh, that is falling apart around us. And uh, the mayor has had to uh, react and respond and uh, is taking the federal government to act to, uh, to task. And we wanted to get his, uh, his uh, take on what is going on. We wanted him to tell the story. So welcome to the show, uh, mayor. Tell us what is going on in, uh, in your community and in, in Uvalde and uh, what is it that you're, uh, that you're looking at and trying to do now? Sure. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, the problem that we're having is, as you know, the southwest border is just being inundated with family units and, and immigrants from up to date that I know of, 29 different countries that are crossing our southwest border. Uh, the Border Patrol is just overwhelmed trying to handle family units. So as they're having to handle these family units, we're starting to see an increase of, of uh, immigrants on the train uh, coming through. We've had five car chases in our community and county within the last three weeks. Uh, we've had three just this week. We've had to lock our schools down twice because the people have bailed out and into our community, and we've had to put the schools on lockdown. And the problem is we're not getting any help. And we're bringing in the Border Patrol was came to us about three weeks ago and told us, oh, by the way, we're going to start releasing migrant families or immigrant families into your community. Uh, we're overflowed in our processing centers. We're going to be processing here in Uvalde, and we're going to be releasing these families. Well, Uvalde is a great community, a, a, a great town, and it's always helped people. But we don't have the resources to take 20 to 40 people a day and start trying to care for them. We're just not set up to do it. So what we've had to do is, is cut a deal with SWART, and we're having buses that the county and the city is having to come out of their budgets and pay for to take these people to a bus station in San Antonio because there's no bus line that, that comes through Uvalde, and the ones that are coming through Uvalde are already full with the immigrants from Eagle Pass or Del Rio. Now, now for, for geography purposes, uh, let the folks know where uh, is Uvalde located uh, relative to uh, South Texas and San Antonio and the border. Okay. From, South Te from San Antonio... We're about 75 miles southwest of, of San Antonio on Highway 90. From Del Rio, we're about 68 miles. From Eagle Pass, we're 55 miles. From New Laredo, we're 130 miles. So you're you're closer. You're 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 
very much clo- closer to uh, to the border than uh, than than uh, San Antonio. You're between us, and and so this uh, situation with the uh, with with the waves of uh, of uh, immigrants that are coming in, and I mean, twenty nine nationalities. So I mean, it used to be just, I mean, in the days of my grandparents, it used to be just Mexicans, but now it's you know, West Africans and everybody else. Uh, having an impact on your community, do you think that that's that other mayors should be on the watch? Uh, all the surrounding areas because need to be watching and seeing what's coming because it's just if it's happening in the Uvalde today, what's to keep it from happening in Kerrville tomorrow or Austin after that or Castorville or Hondo, uh, you know, or Seguin? It's just going to continue to grow as these numbers. They're overwhelmed with these numbers and they can't. They don't have the facilities for them, the facilities to hold them. And the sad thing about it is we're claiming to help these people, and all we're doing is setting them up to fail because we've released 250,000 people in the United States in the last 60 days. Not one of these people has the right to go get a job, to support themselves, to work, to do anything, because it would be violating the law. They would be breaking the law a second time of getting a job. So they're given a piece of paper that releases them in the United States and says they can come here and they can be here legally till they have their hearing, which less than 90% ever show up for that hearing. And if they go get a job, then they've broken their deal and subject to a deportation immediately. So all we're doing is setting these people up to fail. I mean, if we're going to open, if we're going to do this, then we need, to, we need to come up with a system that will work, that will help people. And the government's not doing anything. Our federal, our federal government is all we're getting is lip service. We're not getting anything done. State government, we're calling them, and we're not getting anything done. And counties, little cities and counties like ourselves are having to foot this bill and fight this fight. We, you know, we, had, a, we had a local man that's been here all his life, a farmer here in Uvalde. Last week, a group was on the freight train. They stopped the freight train. They bailed off. They went to his house. One of them got very confrontational with him, very aggressive. Uh, he's gotten to where his grandkids and that won't even come to his house and swim in his swimming pool unless he's sitting outside in his lawn chair with a shotgun because that's how many immigrants that are coming through their property on a daily basis. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. This is a powder keg that's going to blow up. And it's sad to say, but either some citizen somewhere is going to have loss of life or some immigrant is going to have loss of life. And it's a shame that it's going to take something like that to bring national attention to what's coming on down here. Now, one of the interesting things, there was a, a report yesterday from uh, the Pew Research that said that um, the number of illegal aliens in the United States, now this is illegal ones, I mean, the people that are just, you know, coming in, um, it has tipped in, fa- uh, in favor of non-Mexicans. In other words, mostly people from Central America and now from Africa and, uh, and Asia are, are the predominant number. Uh, folks like that, you know, folks that are not familiar with Texas, I mean, because at least in northern Mexico, they were they were familiar with Texas and America in some form or fashion. But do you think that these folks that are completely un- unfamiliar with with the United States, with the government, with the culture, how are they going to uh, fit in? How are they going to respond to uh, to the local community? Well, one of the problems we're having right now is we don't have we don't have people that speak the languages. We've got, you know, a question that I asked my, one of our elected officials in Washington is, or I asked it to all three of them is, in Del Rio, Texas, where Del Rio, Texas is, how did 115 Congo, Congolese from the Congo get to Del Rio, Texas and cross the border at Del Rio, Texas? Where did they come from? Where? That's from the Congo and Africa, clear across the, 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 the continent. And that was day one. Since then, another 350 have, have showed up in Del Rio, with another 500 in, in between Eagle Pass and Del Rio in the Nuevo Laredo. And the other thing is, is the health issue. We're not screening any of these immigrants for diseases. We've had we've had three cases of the mumps that we've had to quarantine immigrants here in Uvalde. Wow, uh, it, it is it is a powder keg. What uh, I mean? What has been the response from the federal government? You said you're you're not getting too much. You're getting lip service. I mean, well, we're not uh, in getting essence. anything. Well, a, well, we introduced a bill today. We introduced a bill. Well, great. They introduced a bill, but it has nothing to do with border security. It has nothing to address this year. Uh, you know, it's not a Republican problem or a Democrat problem. It's an American problem. It's something that's going to affect each and every one of us at some point in the very near future. And we're not addressing it, and they're not addressing it. 
They want they they this this deal that there's, there's not a crisis at the border. Come down here and see the border. Come down come down to our areas and see it. Come down and, and see where yesterday with, with the car a suburban that was stolen out of uh, out of Richardson, Texas, bails out and 15 people bail out of it and run across country. Uh, you know, it's a problem, and we're seeing it more and more and more. And what the problem is, the people that are in these cars that are on these trains, that are on these trains, that are on these trains, uh, are the bad guys. They're the guys that have the criminal records that can't get through the normal way in that. But the Border Patrol is so busy with families that they can't they can't direct their attention to these people. That's a very, very important and important uh, difference to note to the folks who uh, don't understand what's going on. You know, these folks are are hiding from the Border Patrol for a reason, while the other ones are introducing themselves and asking for asylum. Uh, how much money do you think uh, has been spent and is being spent of Uvalde's uh, budget at this point? Uh, so far, you know, so far we've allocated just ten or twelve thousand dollars, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a lot to small communities like us. I mean, we, you know, it could, it will be more. That 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 include the manpower of our police department, or our sheriff's departments that are filling in to try to help the border patrol. We haven't even figured that in yet. So that's, I mean, percentage wise, that's going to be that, that's that, that's going to go into the thousands, maybe 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 forty, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars when we're all said done. Wow. And and we don't and we struggle as it is with our budgets every year to to do what we do and now we're having to pick up this test it's something that we should never be uh, in charge of to deal with anyway this is a federal government problem and it needs to be addressed and it's it's I mean when I signed on to mayor I did it because I wanted to do stuff for my community I didn't think I'd be fighting border problems that's amazing and, and again mayor you you can warn others that it's uh that that if we don't watch out it's coming their direction right i, I can promise you it may be in uvalde today but it's coming to a, it's coming to a city near you sooner than later good night mr uh, mayor mclaughlin thank you very very much we've been talking with mayor mclaughlin from uh from uh the city of uvalde in uh in texas and uh, I really want to thank you for coming on and telling us your story because I, you know, it, it obviously, obviously this story is something that uh, is a, is something that's going to be happening in other people's backyards before long. Uh, and I, I, you know, sadly, I don't see anything uh, stopping it or, or preventing it from, from happening, from, from continuing. No, it's, it's scary. It's real scary. Because like I said, you don't know who's coming across that border or what's coming across that border. And we're not doing anything to check it. Like I said, our, our border patrol that are called to capture that, they're spending more time babysitting and taking care of families, family units. It is. And it's a game they're playing now. They're telegraphing back home, come to the United States. And this is what you tell them and you'll get in. Wow. Uh, anything else that you want to share with the folks before we, we, uh, we close out? Yeah, I would, I, I would tell each and every one of you to start calling your congressmen and your senators and start raising cane because, like I said, it may be affecting you value today, but it'll affect you tomorrow. And if we're going to release these people in the United States, let's don't give them, let, let's let them succeed, not fail. Let's let them be, let's let them be a, a contribute to us instead of being a, a detriment to us. Thank you very much. Uh, once again, we've been speaking with uh, Mayor uh, Don McLaughlin from uh, the city of Uvalde. In, uh, in South Texas. Thank you for being with us, Mayor. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. 
And uh, on our concluding part of our, our show, my friends, I want to go over something very, very important, very, very interesting. As um, many of you know, uh, when I worked in the Reagan administration, uh, I worked uh, in uh, not only immigration, the issue of immigration uh, uh, with the Border Patrol and with the immigration uh, uh, agents uh, rounding up folks and whatnot uh, and the congressional stuff. I, uh, I also worked with community relations with the law enforcement community relations aspect of it, uh, particularly when it came to um, international crime, when it came to gangs that were crossing the border, when it came to uh, the uh, Cuban Marialitos, remember those folks that were brought over, sent over by Castro during the boat lift, and then they caused all sorts of havoc. Um, the, uh, you know, the issue of uh, illegal immigration, illegal alien crime, uh, and police community relations is something very, very important and interesting to me because, my friends, as we see, as we see more and more of these uh, aliens arriving, uh, not only are is it affecting crime through uh, organizations like, like MS-13 that uh, are already prevalent, that are already here, already present, um, but uh, you know, in general crime, because uh, many of these folks are going to be driving around without uh, driver's licenses and without uh, uh, insurance. Many of them are going to not be able to speak the language. Many of them are going to uh, be used to their culture where you run away from uh, from the uh, police, where the police are truly the bad guys. And so uh, you are going to have some real, real headaches when it comes to uh, police community relations, not to, not to mention community relations in general, the situation that we've got, for example, uh, the impact of these, this illegal immigration crisis is going to have on, on local communities, uh, the negative impact is going to be very, very obvious, and it's already beginning to be felt. We've already uh, heard, for example, from, uh, from Mayor uh, Don McLaughlin uh, from Uvalde, uh, and the headaches that he is experiencing. Now, we've got to remember, again, Uvalde is a small community just south of San Antonio between us and the border. Uh, city, The city of Uvalde's population is 16,000, about 16,000. The whole county of Uvalde has about 26,000 people. And they are getting in. They are getting impacted very, very in a very obvious way because, you know, uh, newcomers and strangers uh, are, are very, very obvious in a small community like that. That's not the case in a place like San Antonio. However, in a place like San Antonio, you're going to get greater numbers and you're going to get folks who are going to defend them uh, because they're downtrodden, because of their liberal uh, approach to, to um, uh, government policies. You're going to have uh, you're going to have a different ballgame, but you're still going to have the same headaches of uh, of crime, of uh, of uh, social tensions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, another example is um, in the little community of Carrizo Springs, Carrizo Springs, uh, which is also just south of us. Um, the federal government uh, was planning. The federal government was planning to um, to uh, turn a turn some rental apartments that were originally intended for oil workers into a shelter for uh, for uh, these uh, migrants, these illegal aliens. And the residents protested because uh, they, first of all, they were afraid of the illnesses being brought in by these folks, okay? Which is, in my opinion, very, very valid. The second thing that they worried about was the crime that they were going to bring into their small community. And again, Carrizo Springs is not, it is about the same size as Uvalde. Not very, very large. So So the presence of these folks would be felt almost immediately. In San Antonio, however, they are the city government has been working has been searching for uh, for French speakers to help about 400 uh, West Africans that uh, have been here in the local shelters. Many of them have moved on and gone on to other uh, communities. But you know it, the the West Africans uh, that are still here are, uh, are requiring uh, special services that we're not used to to providing. We're just not used to it because these folks are French speakers from very, very different cultures than the Latinos that we're, we're used to. And, uh, you know, the Latinos that we've already got, uh, the illegal aliens, uh, the Central Americans that are here, they're already straining the local social services and, pub, uh, and, and causing some public safety problems. They already are. 
now we're going to have a complication, an added complication of, of people that are linguistically and culturally different. Yep, that's the added complication. Almost half a million, my friends. Imagine that. Almost half a million migrants have entered the United States since January. Almost half a million. And they are creating a problem not only on the border, but also in communities in the interior. And it's going to get worse. The uncontrolled immigration has brought crime and social problems, social issues to many cities that never had to deal with such things like little Uvalde, like little Carrizo Springs. And it's only going to get worse. The majority of these folks, you know, uh, I, 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 I hate to say it, but the reality is, again, my friends, the majority of these folks, they are not the best and the brightest from their countries. There aren't. I'm sorry. But rather, most of them are the poorest of the poor, and they're coming from third world countries, the poorest of the poor. They have low or no technical or vocational skills, and uh, that's going to affect their employability. That's going to affect where they work and how they work. In some cases, many of them don't even read in their native language. It's going to swell, my friends, the unemployment rolls and the welfare rolls. It's going to swell. They are also going to put a strain, my friends, on the local social services, including the welfare system, the school system, because many of them are coming in, most of them, I'll say, that are being processed through uh, on the asylum claims. They're all families, supposed families. Okay? So you know some of those kiddos are going to end up in the schools, in the local school system, and that's going to cause a problem. There's also the issue of public health, regardless of what they say, of what uh, of how uh, some of the liberals try to paint this picture that everybody's healthy. They're not. They're not. Who knows what kind of illnesses they are bringing in? Homelessness, vagrancy, and crime are going to be on the rise because these folks have nowhere to go and nothing to do. I guarantee There's also, my friends, and I've talked a little bit about this before, there's also the issue of the cultural and language gaps that these folks are going to be facing, okay? Let's make sure that you understand that a growing number of these folks are not coming from Latin America, but they're coming from distant continents like Africa and Asia. And there are few communities of similar language and culture that are going to be able to welcome them and help them Assimilate a safety net, so to speak, a social safety net, if you would, to help them adjust and to assimilate into the into America. There's few, few of them. Now you compare them to to let, let, let's let's do a comparison here. Let's compare them to the Latino aliens, the Latino migrants, the Latino illegal aliens that are coming in, who have. I mean, you know, Mexicans always came in and they could relate to Mexicans already here. That's that was a given. Then there were now there are Latinos, Central Americans who have a similar language, but at the same time, a very, very uh, who have different cultures. For example, I personally, my friends, had never eaten a pupusa. That is a Salvadoran taco. I had never eaten a pupusa until I was in Washington, D.C. and met the first uh, Central Americans that I ever met a pupusa. We would call it uh, a gordita or we would call it a little taco. I'm not sure what, you know, it's almost like a combination of a tamal and a, uh, and, and, uh, and a gordita. But I had never eaten or seen such a thing. And, and uh, you know, I mean, that, that just shows the difference between Mexican, Mexican-American and Central Americans. Imagine the difference, my friends, between West Africans and Mexicans, Mexican-Americans, and, and, and the U.S. population. You know, here in Bear County, the safety net for Latinos is pretty big. Bear County here in San Antonio has 1.7 million people, and of that population, 60% are Latino. However, there are only, only 7.5% are black. And, uh, you know, how many actually, how many people actually speak French? Heaven only knows. Heaven only knows. So West Africans are going to have a little bit of a different kind with that. 
the public safety, the other issue, my friends, is the public safety and law enforcement, which is going to be affected. I mean, that that was my bailiwick, and that's, you know, who I really, where I really think that there's going to be a lot of problems. Law enforcement is going to be affected because these new aliens, they're going to be, they undoubtedly are going to be victims of crime, but they're also going to commit crimes, be they major, major or minor violations, but they are going to commit crimes, and they're going to be victims of crimes. Police and firefighters are going to have to learn a new language. And again, they're going to have to be sensitive to these new new and unique cultures. And of course, police and firefighters are going to be police are going to be kept to uh, be responsible for keeping the peace and providing safety for and among these uninvited guests. My friends, wouldn't it be so much easier? Controlled, selective, legal immigration would be so much more beneficial for America and its communities. Let me say that one more time. Controlled, selective, and legal immigration would be so much better for America and its communities. Unfortunately for the taxpayers, at the local level, at the state level, and of course at the federal level, taxpayers will end up paying for the liberal policies that local governments attract and support these illegal aliens, whether it's through... through uh, uh, sanctuary cities, or just uh, trying to resettle them. Taxpayers are going to end up paying the bill and suffer. I say that, that we are going to suffer a lowering of our community's quality of life due to these newcomers who are, 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 so, are so uneducated and poor. It's going, to, it's going to cause a problem for us, my friends. This is the sad reality that we're looking at. The sad reality. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. I hope that you will share our program with other folks. We are encouraging folks to uh, uh, pass it along, to uh, share it, uh, even uh, even radio stations, if they want to pick it up and uh, and use it. Be my guest, my friends. Just let us know. We, um, I will be speaking on Friday, the 21st, I'll be speaking in, to the North Austin Republican uh, Club in uh, Austin, Texas at Mangia's Pizza. Hope to see some of you folks there. But until next time, my friends, thank you for being with us. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Let's keep America strong, my friends. Let's keep the, 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 the fire of freedom and liberty burning. Y'all take care. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.